Hello. Hi, it's me. I am <laughs> drunk. <laughs> All right. Take two. Hi. Welcome back to the Lip Bay podcast. I'm your host, Kerwin, aka Book Bay, aka Kiwi Like the Fruit. Um, and I have been working all day and I, you know, opened my beer and we're about to, we're about to vibe. We're about to vibe. All right. So just a little reminder, I use strong language at times cause I just be getting excited. So that's going to bother you or you got your little ones in, in hearing range might want to turn me off, but you know, if you grown, I'm grown, we all grown, then we're going to continue. So, the word of the day is compendious, which means concise or comprehensive. Compendious is spelled C-O-M-P-E-N-D-I-O-U-S. My sentence this week is, I bought a new vegan cookbook recently, and the recipes are compendious, child. Yes, they are. So, I actually did not buy a... Uh, vegan cookbook. I lied for the sake of the sentence. Okay, so sorry. Uh, but moving on, I wanted to give a shout out, an RVA shout out to the RVA Book Bar. Ooh, it is a black woman owned bookstore that centers BIPOC authors and brands in an effort to uplift and support a culture that is often silenced. There are books wine, snacks, stationery, and so much more like cool stuff in there. So if you're in the Richmond area, definitely stop by. It's a great, it's a great place. Um, every time I go in, the selection of music is delightful. Um, I was recently in there and I got to do a wine tasting and that was fabulous. So I bought a bottle of wine, I bought a couple books, and then I bought a bottle of wine. And uh, yeah, it's summertime summertime time so you know I'm checking for the white wines at this time of year so yeah it was a good time it was a good time um also if you go to her website let me see what's the name of this website Ooh, oh I closed it hold on let me history let me slow down should have just started drinking the beer halfway through but that's okay oh yeah it's called rvabookbar.com so we good so yeah, go to the website. She also does, um, the owner of the bookstore, she also does these like seasonal um, like subscription boxes. So they include like books, but it's like a whole like curated box. So it's like a book and other things. Um, she mentioned that she was very excited about her next two boxes. So I think she has a box that came out in March, but if you missed it, the next one is coming out in June, and she said that that one's gonna be bomb. So I, I, I don't know if we can still get the one for March, but um, look into it. If not, definitely get the one in June. She said it's gonna be everything, and I believe her. Um, and yes, if you are in the Richmond, Virginia area, and you're like, oh, I wanna stop by, you know, a black woman-owned bookstore that centers BIPOC authors and brands, you need to hit up the RVA Book Bar, period. Now let's get to the show. Okay, so, oh, I guess I'm not reading this anymore, huh? Ooh, I should have updated these notes before I started this. That's okay. 
Well, currently I am reading, where's that book at? Oh yeah. So currently I'm reading The Fifth Agreement by Don Miguel Ruiz, Ruiz and Don Jose Ruiz. Um, so yeah, have if you've read the four agreements, the four agreements are be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, and always do your best. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the fifth agreement is because you should read the book. But yeah, I read the fourth agreement a few years ago and I really like, it really just like hit me. Um, I guess you would categorize this as like self-help slash like a spiritual kind of read, but um, it's pretty short, but like it's, I don't know. I, I've been kind of taking my time and reading through it. Um, I've been doing a little bit of journaling uh, as I've been reading through it too. So, you know, how I can kind of get these, or what am I trying to say? How I can show up for myself and just kind of use these different agreements to live my best life. Boom. So, yeah. I've been reading The Fifth Agreement. Um, I would say, I think I've been like halfway done. Oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, dead middle. Yeah, so I'm like halfway done with this book. So, yes, The Fifth Agreement. Highly recommend so far. Um, I mean, if you are like, oh, should I get The Fourth Agreement first? You should just get The Fifth Agreement because he goes, they go through all of the agreements before they start talking about the new, the newest agreement, which is The Fifth Agreement. Yes. Okay, I'm also reading Cast by Isabel Wilkerson right now, which is a historical nonfiction text. Um, it is basically, you know, educating us on different caste systems. So we really focus on the caste system of, you know, the United States, the United States, but we also talk about the similarities, some of the parallels to the cast of like India and then the cast of like Nazi Germany and like our similarities, our differences, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. So I am reading that. Let me see. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Let me just read this thing to y'all. So in this brilliant book, Isabel Wilkerson gives us a masterful portrait of an unseen phenomenon in America as she explores through an immersive, deeply researched narrative and stories about real people, how America today and throughout its history has been shaped by a hidden caste system, a rigid hierarchy of human rankings. Boom. Beyond race, class, or other factors, a powerful caste system influences people's lives and behavior and nation's fate. Linking the caste systems of America, India, and Nazi Germany, Wilkerson explores eight pillars that underlie caste systems across civilizations, including divine will, bloodlines, and stigma. Using riveting stories about people, including Martin Luther King Jr., Baseball's Satchel Paige, a single father, and his toddler son, and Wilkerson herself, she shows the ways that the insidious undertow of caste is experienced every day. She documents how the Nazis studied the racial systems in America to plan their outcasting of the Jews. The discusses that or wait, she discusses why the cruel logic of caste requires a bottom rung for those in the middle to measure themselves against. She writes about the surprising health costs of caste in depression and life expectancy and the effects of this hierarchy on our culture and politics. Finally, she points forward 
to ways America can move beyond the artificial and destructive separations of human divisions toward hope in our community, in our common humanity. I'm so sorry. So yeah. I have been highlighting a lot in that book, doing my like tabbing and everything too. Like I've just been learning so much from the book as well. Like I think I've said this before, but I think like when I was like in school, especially like elementary school, like we learned about like enslaved people, you know, we learned about like the transatlantic slave trade and things like that. But like, I think like as children, they didn't want to tell us like some of like the really grave and like, you know, ex not explicit, but like, I don't know. As children, I don't think that they knew that we could handle all the details of like what enslaved people really had to go through. And so like reading about this stuff, like as an adult has been very interesting. Um, you know, it doesn't make me happy to read, but I'm definitely like, I think, is it weird to say like, I'm excited to like read this book. Like I'm really excited to just like get this knowledge and learn more about like the intricacies of these caste systems. So I will keep up, I will keep, um, I'll keep you all up to date with my cast reading journey. Y'all, this beer, y'all, this beer is hidden. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this beer is hitting. I better go get some food. Okay, but yes, I will keep y'all up to date on my cast reading journey. It's very good so far. I think I'm about 60 pages in and I'm not in like a particular rush to like finish it. So it's all right. Um, next up, what I've recently completed. I read this book called Flowers for the Sea by Zen E. Rockland. Very short read. It is 106 page, 104 pages. Um, so it says, survivors from a flooded kingdom struggle along on an ark. Resources are scant in ravenous CB circle. Their fangs are sharp. Among the refugees is Iraxi, ostracized, despised, and a commoner who refused the prince. She's pregnant with a child who might be more than human. Her fate may be darker and more powerful than she can imagine. Um, this was a very interesting book. I don't think I've really read anything like this. What I will say is it's very, ooh, baby, what is the word? Is explicit the word? It's like, so there's like sea monsters in here, right? And like, I don't know about you, but like when I hear about like sea monsters, I feel like they're very like squishy. Like they make that sound, you know what I mean? Like they're just very like ooey gooey. I don't know if this is making sense, but like the book is just very descriptive about like this woman giving birth, things and fluids hitting the floor. And baby, I was not ready. Um, it was very, I, what I will say is it was a very interesting read. That is what I will say. You ain't got to worry about me. You ain't got to worry about me. Yeah, but um, it was something, you know, it was, <laughs> it was something. I went into it blindly. I didn't read the synopsis. I was just like, I'm going to read and I'm going to find out. And <laughs> I found out. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. But yeah, I would just say like if, you're kind of squeamish about flu bodily fluids and stuff. This ain't the book for you, baby. This is not the book for you. Anyway, um, <laughs> up next, I read this book called Brickmakers by Selva Almada. I love this book. This book was my first translated read. I think it was 
translated from Spanish, I believe. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, but Brickmakers is by Selva Almada. Yes, translated from Spanish by Annie McDermott. Um, so yes, this book follows Oscar Tamai and Elvio Miranda, the patriarchs of two families of Brickmakers, have for years nursed a mutual hatred, but their teenage sons, Pajaro and Angelito, somehow fell in love. Brickmakers begins as Pajaro and Angelito's older brother lie dying in the mud at the base of a Ferris wheel, inhabiting a dreamlike state between life and death. They recall the events that forced them to pay the price of their father's petty feud. Um, yeah, this this was a very, this the writing was amazing. Um, I definitely like took my time reading this book as well because it was translated. Not to say that it was like hard to read, but it was a little bit of a challenge. And I just, sometimes I had to like reread things to, to, to fully get it and that's fine you have to do that in regular books anyway but you know yeah it's kind of a sad story yeah but it, the writing is amazing it was very good I love the story um it was a little heartbreaking I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna lie yeah I said oh wow but yeah so I finished this book very good I would recommend that one um, which one we want to talk about next? So yesterday, last night, I stayed up all night, y'all. We be all night. Yes, I stayed up all night um, reading The Yellow, or finishing, I should say, The Yellow Wife by Sadiqa Johnson. And wow. Like, baby, when we talk about writing, okay, when we talk about writing. And Sadiqa Johnson is um, a, she lives in Virginia somewhere. I think she's from Richmond or she lives near Richmond or whatever but yeah I was very happy so Yellow Wife follows what was that girl's name Phoebe uh Phoebe Dolores Brown born on a plantation in Charles City Virginia has lived a very sheltered life shielded by her mother's position as the estate's medicine woman and cherished by the master's sister she is set apart from the others on the plantation belonging to neither world She'd been promised freedom on her 18th birthday, but instead of the idyllic life she imagined with her true love, Essex Henry, Phoebe is forced to leave the only home she has ever known. She unexpectedly finds herself thrust into the bowels of slavery at the infamous Devil's Half Acre, Devil's Half Acre, a jail in Richmond, Virginia, where the enslaved are broken, tortured, and sold every day. There, Phoebe is exposed not just to her, jail, her jailer's cruelty, but also to his contradictions. To survive, Phoebe will have to. Oh my gosh, grammar is a thing, girl. Okay, take two. To survive, Phoebe will have to outwit him, even if it means making the ultimate sacrifice. Yes, I thought this book was very good. I also thought it was really cool that this book is a historical fiction, but it is based on Lumpkin's Jail that is here in Richmond, Virginia, um, which same things went down. It was a very cruel place. You know, the spirit, it sounds like a place where the spirit was just broken down to the white meat, to the bare bone, basically. Um, but I really enjoyed this story. I really enjoyed reading about Phoebe. Um, I think it was really shitty how she was treated. And But I think it, I think it was just such an interesting read because Phoebe is biracial. Like she, her mom... And the master, and oh my God, not the master, Lord. 
Anyway, ciao. Um, Phoebe is, what am I trying to say here? Phoebe is basically biracial. Um, the man of the plantation got her mom pregnant. Obviously, the man that owns the plantation is white. Her mom is obviously black. Um, and he basically promised her that he would, she would be free. They would, you know, sign papers and get her up to Massachusetts on her 18th birthday. Um, and things happened and that didn't happen. And she was actually sold to this jail. And then the, the, the owner of the jail took an interest in her and, Okay, maybe I, I don't know. I think I should have like planned a little bit more before I started to go on this tangent, especially since I've been drinking. I've been drinking. But yeah, anyway, child, I already read the synopsis to you though. It was good, okay? There was a lot of really great themes in here around fetishization, colorism, um, and just the overall treatment, treatment of enslaved people and like the journey to get there, even within the States, right? So yeah, it was very good, very heartbreaking. You know, yes, it was very heartbreaking. I like clutched my pearls last night when I was reading. I was like, oh my god, like what is going on? But yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, I'm. We might talk about this book again. Just know that. No, the last book <laughs> that I want to talk about is In Every Mirror She's Black. I'm not gonna go too too into this. Um, because I got some, we got some plans for this book, but honey, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, let me see. Yeah. So it basically follows three black women who are living in Sweden. All three of them have different, very different experiences. And they're all connected to this one white man. This one Swedish white man named Johnny, AKA Yanni. I'm dead. Yanni. <laughs> so yeah. Um, like I said, we got plans for this book coming very soon because I don't already, I don't already made the episode, child. So yeah, it's coming. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to get into the themes. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to read Johnny for Blood, aka Yanni for Blood. Okay, like when I tell you fetishization, when I tell you being in denial about your fetishization, like oh baby, we about to get into it. Get into it. So. Oh, actually, this is the last book we're going to talk about, but I haven't read it yet. But it is called And They Lived Happily Ever After by Therese Bahari. What is this? Successful romance author Gaia Anders has a secret. Anything she dreams at night is magically written into her best-selling novels. After a lonely childhood in foster care, her dream life is the one where she is the only one she trusts. Gaia's waking life just can't compare until she gets caught in one utterly surprising, crazy, passionate, real-life kiss. Workaholic businessman Jacob Scott has had a crush on his brother's best friend Gaia since forever, but he never expected to literally share her dreams. Living out their magical nighttime fantasies is explosive, but it's their waking desire turning his single-minded ways upside down. It's making him want a future he didn't think was possible. So this is the book that I will be starting tonight and I'm very excited about it. I think I've been reading a lot of heavy things lately from the non-fictions. 
to the fictions. I think I've just been reading a lot of like heartbreaking stories and I'm ready for something a little magical. I'm really excited that both of these characters are black, blackity black, black, black. Yes, I'm so excited. So can't wait to read this. Um, I actually lied again because I actually have another book in rotation, but this book is an audiobook and it is called Yolk by Mary H.K. Choi. So I've been listening to this book like during my night routine where I'm doing my skincare. Uh, let me see if I can find the synopsis real quick without making things awkward on phone. Okay, I don't think I can. I can't find the synopsis. Why is it? Oh, here it is. I found it. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, yeah, let me read this real quick. So Jane and June are nothing alike. June's three years older, a classic firstborn, know-it-all narc with a problematic finance job. Oh, not a problematic finance job, Lord. Oh, wow. Okay. With a problematic finance job and an equally soulless apartment, according to Jane. Jane is an emotionally stunted, self-obsessed basket case who lives in squalor. Has egregious taste in men. She really does, girl. And needs to get to class and stop wasting mom and dad's money, if you ask June. One, once thick as thieves, these sisters who moved from Seoul to San Antonio to New York together now don't want anything to do with each other. That is until June gets cancer and Jane becomes the only one who can help her. Flung together by circumstance, housing woes, and family secrets, will the sisters learn more about each other than they're willing to confront and what if, while helping June, Jane has to confront the fact that maybe she's sick too? Ooh, yeah. So I'm excited. The audiobook's like 13 hours, so I got 13 hours to ugly cry, girl. I'm ready. I am ready. Tears have to be like a part of the skincare routine, right? Isn't that, isn't that true? I believe it. Okay, so we're done with the book portion. And we're going to move on to music real, real quick. So lately, I've been really into Hiatus Coyotes, uh, Mood Valiant. That album came out last year, I believe. It is amazing. I have been playing it like crazy. Um, I've also been getting like deep into their other discographies. Like I've kind of listened to them before, but like I think after this album, for sure, I was just like, let me just listen to the whole discography and I was not disappointed that lady be singing okay she be she be singing so if you want to listen to a lady that be singing you listen to some hiatus coyote girl mood valiant start with mood valiant just work your way back yes you will not be disappointed um next up I have no idea how you say this band uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say it and I'm gonna spell it for you so the way that I think you say this is Krongbin. Uh, the way that you spell it is K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N and Leon Bridges. Um, they did a an album together. It's called Texas Moon. My favorite song on there is Doris. Uh, it's the opening track. Perfect opening track. I love it. I have also been going back through their um, discographies. And just vibing. Um, what I like about Krongbin is that they don't have a lot of music like with words. I mean, like they kind of do, but it's just like repeating. But a lot of times they're just vibing instrumentally. And I really appreciate that. So great music for, you know, working, being in the zone, getting shit done, taking notes, that kind of thing. Or just vibing. Okay. 
putting on like YouTube, you know, like those little, you know, like those little scenes they have on YouTube with like the fireplace and like the living room scene. Yes. So put that on mute and then put this album on or any of their albums on. You got a mood, right? That's a mood, a whole mood. Um, next up, there is Hotels slash Motels by Jasmine Sullivan. So she recently released like a a deluxe version. I guess she just released like six more songs to her Hotels album, which was amazing. If you haven't listened, you should. So yeah, I've definitely been revisiting that. Jasmine Sullivan... What what an amazing voice. And I really love all of her like interludes and little like sound snippets, like all the words that are in in that album. I think they're really great. Issa Rae has a really great um interlude on there too. Really enjoyed that one. It was hilarious. It was great. Um so I've also been revisiting some albums. I revisited Toro Imwa, um, his album Boo Boo. When that one has the one uh, the song "Girl Like You" on it, so I just went ahead and just you know I've been going through his discography as well from the past, yeah. But Boo Boo was a mood. It's cute. It was cute. Um, I've also been getting back into Basement Jacks, specifically the albums "Remedy" and "Rooty," like "Booty," but it's "Rooty." Um, yeah, bops, bops for days. Uh, if you want like a little bit of that like house music e element, techno element, dancey vibes, Basement Jacks is your shit. That is Basement Jacks with three X's. Okay, don't forget. Um, and then lastly, I have revisited Cleo Soul's album Mother, and I am in love with it. I don't know why I couldn't get into it the first time I listened to it. I was like, oh, I'm just you know, I just I felt like I wasn't really ready to like hear it. You know, because I knew she was going to be singing and I knew she was going to give you a concept. I knew she was going to give me emotion. Okay, she's a mother now. So I was like, this ain't about to be your regular degular music. Okay, but honey, this album is absolutely amazing. I think my favorite song. So my favorite song still is the song Build Me Up and Don't Let It Go To Your Head. But I really enjoy the song. It's called Music. It's like six minutes long. And there's like a melody change like in like throughout the middle of the song. And I was just like, oh my God. It's absolutely amazing. This album is really great. Also another really great album to chill, um, to chill with after after work. Um, so yeah, those are the albums I've been listening to currently. There's a couple more, but I'll get into those um next in my next episode so we can have some more so we can have a thicker more robust girthy music section next episode so next up this is going to be the most exciting part of this episode in my professional unprofessional professional unprofessional opinion we're gonna be talking about what i've been watching on tv i've been gone for a minute but i'm back and i have been watching some shows and bitch i got things to say so let me take a sip of my beer please hold okay we're ready first bitch let's talk about the tender swindler bitch i like where do we begin so the tender swindler is about this man basically he's a scammer okay he's a scammer and he basically commits like fraud and he in this particular case he 
went for you know women on tinder and he i what do you call it they're like called emotional scams where like you pretend to be really interested in someone but really you just want their money so we start with this white woman is european white woman who she starts off the the um the documentary being like oh yes like i really believe in love and i love the disney movies and are you done Girl, this street is so loud. But anyway, so the girl was like, yeah, I love Disney movies and having a fairy tale ending and all of that good stuff. And I said, that's your problem right there. Disney was racist. Disney owns everything. Disney is the reason why climate change. Disney tried to make... Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding, though. Disney was racist, bro. <laughs> Disney was racist. I'm so sorry, but Disney was racist. You can try... like. You want to know the most racist shit? The Princess and the Frog, where the black girl was a frog for 80% of the movie? That's racism. I'm so sorry. Um, but anyway, so she got got by Walt Disney. Um, and she was just like, yes, happy endings and this and this and that. And, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, she was just saying that, you know, she met this really handsome guy. She matched with this handsome guy. They went out for, like, a coffee date. And immediately after the coffee date, he was like, get on my my uh my private jet we're going to some other european country i want you to fly with me and this was after like a 45 minute like coffee date and he was like get on my private jet we're, we're we should let's go to the da, da 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 and she was just like oh my god yes this sounds like an adventure oh my god it sounds like a fairy tale and i'm just like so you just met this dude off tinder this dude that says like oh yeah i'm a billionaire i own all this blah 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 like you know i'm a son of a prince or whatever he said girl i don't know and he was just so first of all, my problem is, is that I, I'm not going to sit up here and be like, billionaires aren't on Tinder. But honey, billionaires are not on Tinder. Like for what? Like you think a billionaire going to be on Tinder swiping for love with a regular degular bitch? I'm so sorry. No. Um, so like for me, it was just so hard to believe. So like I was like sitting there because I was like, well, I don't want to judge this white, you know, <laughs> I don't want to judge this white woman like this because I'm like, well, you know, we all done got got by like cisgender straight men. <laughs> with issues we all done got got at one point we have but i was just like oh but he wasn't a white man huh mm, that is crazy i totally forgot he was not a white man anywho but yeah we done all got got emotionally by a man that need therapy that's what i'm saying so you know i was like well let me not be so like judgmental but I was like, girl, the math is not mathing. Like, I was like, you want to talk about not having any type of self-awareness? Like, I remember I was talking with one of my friends. Um, we were, like, talking about the show or talking about the documentary. And she was just like, girl, is this real? I was like, yeah. She was like, nah, this is not real. She was like, this has to be scripted. Because I was like, she was just like, who will fall for this? And I was like, she did, girl. Um, so anyway, so yeah, you know, so... They started a relationship. Things went very quickly. They escalated very quickly. And then, you know, she gets this, like, you know, they're talking through WhatsApp. So she gets these messages from him saying, like, oh, my enemies are, you know, they compromised my credit cards. My enemies are trying to get me. Like, you know, all my cards are compromised. And he was like, you know, I need to borrow $20,000 from you. And, you know, like, she's so, you know, basically, she was digmatized by this dude. So, 
she was like, oh, okay. When she didn't have the $20,000, so she took, out, she took out loans for this dude to do this. And, like, I guess part of the scam is, like, why wouldn't you believe him? Because you're in a relationship with this billionaire. And he's shown you the finer things in life and all whatever. So you know he's good for the money, quote, unquote. So I was like, okay. So that was very interesting. Um, but so let's talk about the whole, like, oh, yeah, like, my cards were compromised and my enemies were you know my enemies are after me or whatever like the problem that I have with this and I really tried to put myself in her shoes and especially like when I was younger and kind of naive but like honey when I was young and naive I was so scared of like debt and like not being able to pay for things that I was like I can't imagine giving them taking out a loan to give to a man first of all I'm not giving no man no money but you know I was just like what is going on so I was like okay and so the first thing I thought about when she was talking about her experience with this, I was just like, if he's a billionaire, he has systems put in place as a billionaire, as somebody with access, that if your cards can compromise, you always got a backup plan. And if your family is that rich, then they got a backup plan. And the last person you asking for money is your regular degular girlfriend. I'm so sorry. I got to take out a loan for you, a billionaire, because your cards got compromised and you don't have no plan. That's a red flag. I'm so sorry such a red flag so i was just like i just don't know what's going on i don't know why she thought that he i don't know but i guess he like got her trust and you know and yeah now she's in debt and she he did that to a bunch of he did that to a bunch of people and not all of the relationships that he built were romantic either so some he did platonic relationships with and was like oh you know you're my good friend you're always there for me blah 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 and all of this but yeah he been out here scamming since he was young okay and then when he was like oh yeah i'm about to go get caught he was trying to go get facial reconstructive surgery i was like oh child baby child yeah so it was a wild time but yeah if you i don't know if i mean i'm not gonna sit up here and tell you to watch the tender swindler i'm sure you've seen the articles i'm sure you've seen you know the buzz on social media wherever you watch whatever you watch or whatever you listen to or whatever but I just had so many issues. I was just, I was really trying not to be so judgmental of the ladies um, because I love ladies. I love the ladies. I, I always want the best for ladies, okay? And it's just like, but I just, I sat there and I was just like, I was really like, put yourself in their shoes and I just could not. And I was like, baby, we just live different lives. The fact that you was just like, I'm about to take out a loan <coughs> for a motherfucker, I don't know. Oh, hold on, I'm parched. I, I couldn't, yeah, couldn't be me, but y'all be easy though. But yeah, so that happened and I just thought that that was a wild, it was just a wild documentary and dude basically like didn't, he did like no time for all of his crimes because he scammed a lot of people across a lot of countries and he only did five months worth of like jail time and then he's, you know, they said that he's out here, he's rich he still, he got money, he got a rich girlfriend, and I was like, okay. So he out here, and I heard, like, talks of somebody being like, oh, they're try they're going to give him his own show or reality show or dating show or something, and I was just like, please don't. Do not reward bad behavior. I'm so sorry. Don't do it. Oh, yeah. So Tinder Swindler was a ride. Um... I just thought about it before I started this segment. I should have been like, spoiler alert, baby, because I'm about to spoil some things. Some more things, really. 
Okay. So, yeah. That was the Tinder Swindler. And, uh, yeah, I just... Yeah, I don't know. That was interesting. But next up, I do want to talk about the second season of Love is Blind. I've been talking about this show with all of my friends. We have been talking and just, you know, talking amongst ourselves and just doing whatever, whatever. Um, But yeah, um, Love is Blind was a ride this season. Uh, Let's start with everybody's favorite person, Shake. I was so disappointed that Shake had the personality that he has. Um, when I first saw him, before he started talking at all on the show, and I was just looking at him, I was like, wow, look at him. He's so well-dressed. Like, look at his hair. Like, he looks very nice. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I was really expecting him to, I, and I don't know why. Maybe that was my bad for making assumptions, which is according to the, you know, to the four, for the, to the four agreements. You're not supposed to make assumptions. That was my bad. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I just thought that maybe he would have some thoughtful things to say and maybe he would have, it seemed like maybe he would have been doing the work to like really find love. And that just like was not the case, I don't think. So we start in the beginning, like in the pods and it just seemed like Shake was very interested in trying to, you know, cause okay. So the love of love is blind premise is basically you have these like 30 singles and you're in these pods. So you hear their voice, but you don't see what they look like. So you're, you know, building an emotional connection, building that safety without ever seeing the person. So attraction doesn't, you know, physical attraction doesn't really play the part until you see the person. Um, and so, the, you know, they basically have to, everyone is basically dating like 14 people, 14 other people. For like a few days and you have to like make a decision to be like okay I'm gonna engage I'm gonna get engaged to this person and then we're gonna go on a honeymoon then we're gonna intertwine our lives and live with each other for a month and then we have to decide if we're really gonna get married or not so that's the premise of love is blind and so I was really disappointed in shake um you know he's a very handsome man and he you know started off hot in the pods just or not hot but yeah he started off in the pods on a really wonky foot because he was you know asking people trying to just ask the women like oh you know like about like their physical like stature or whatever like oh could I put you on my shoulders if we were at a music festival or whatever like oh I like women that work out oh you know you know like he was looking for very much like fit conventionally attractive like and he even you know talked about his journey with you know moving to the United States at a young age and that was the first time he saw white girls and he's only dated white girls and you know that whole story so yeah he made some very like fat phobic like comments in the beginning and you know it it throughout that season it looked like he was maybe turning around and you know maybe making some growth but towards the end we just saw that maybe that like was just like not the case so unfortunately yeah and he really showed his ass at the reunion I feel like he (laughs) was, like, trying to put everybody else, like, trying to air everybody else's dirty laundry first. And then when people can't, like, clap back at him, he was, like, in his feelings a little bit. And trying to pretend like that shit didn't really hurt his feelings. But I was like, I know that hurts you. But anyway, we're done talking about him. Um, Let's talk about Danielle and Nick. So... 
you know, when I saw them in the pods, I was happy for them. And then what I will say throughout the whole um, season, they did Danielle dirty with that, uh, with the editing, I think. Like, they really made her out to be, like, quote-unquote crazy, you know, insane or whatever. And instead of, like, calling it what it is, like, you know, mental health is not strong, as strong as she would like maybe or whatever. And she just had some issues she needed to work out. But, like, I think that, like, <laughs> the editing just did her dirty and made her look like, oh, she was, like, insane. And I don't think that she actually is. I don't think that a lot of these people on the show are, like, the as dramatic as the editing made them look. I think that very regular, regular things were happening throughout, like, filming. And the editor was just like, go, I'm, about to, I'm about to go ham. And I'm about to, I'm about to make, I'm about to create my own narrative. <laughs> and they did. Um, when we got to the reunion episode, I was very happy to hear that Nick and Danielle decided to do couples therapy. I thought that that was really great. And I think that's really great because when you think about the experiment, you don't have a lot of time to get to know someone before you decide like, oh yes, I'm going to marry them or no, I'm not. So the fact that they, you know, decided to say yes and they're deciding to like be married, I think that that's, I don't know. I think that that shows like maturity, emotional maturity, and just like about like, yeah, we're going to make this work, but we know that like our communication styles are different and we have to figure this out and we are dedicated to figuring out what needs to happen. So at first I was a little wonky on Danielle and, uh, and Nick because I saw Nick sweating at that wedding and I said, oh, I don't know what he about to say, but I, they look really happy and I, I couldn't be happier for them. Um, I realized that I kind of uh, swept over deep Deep D. We love Deep. Um, what I will say is that that was another thing about Shake was that during the season, he was telling everybody else except for Deep, the woman that he was supposed to marry, that like he wasn't attracted to her physically. And I just, I that really rubbed me the wrong way about um, Shake because Deep D is a beautiful woman, gorgeous. You know, she's. And just the way that I've read some articles and read some things that she's been saying after the show. And at no point is she like reading his ass for blood like like I would maybe be. But like she's just so poised and so articulate. And she was like, yeah, it didn't work out. But like I am that bitch. And, you know, I'm going to find mine. And I'm, I'm going through my own processes and stuff like that. So I'm happy for her. I'm happy for whatever she decides. That, uh, that proposal, not proposal, but that little, uh, Kyle coming out the woodwork being like, oh, I should have fought for you. I was like, okay, interesting. Uh, I guess we didn't see that because of editing again, but you know, if Deep D's happy with that, then I'm happy for her. Okay. And I'm, and I'm happy for all the she hers on this show, actually. So there's that. Let's go to... Shane and Natalie and Shayna. So Shane and Natalie in the in the pods like I was not really sold on Natalie and Shane and I didn't really see what Natalie saw in Shane honestly. And then the fact that I don't know it was like 
Shane had that moment where he thought that Shayna was on the other side of the wall and it was really Natalie and he kind of like gaslit her a little bit and was like, you know, and just, I don't know. Like it, it just, it was giving, it was giving white male privilege and I just really wasn't here for it. Oh, is it raining? Uh-oh. Oh. Oh. Oh, it's raining and thundering. Okay. Well, I hope this don't mess up the audio, child. I'm going to keep going, though. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I just I didn't really like how he handled a lot of those situations. But what I will give a lot of the people on this show is that, like, you know, these are regular people for the most part. So, like, it, sometimes it's hard, and especially if you don't have a lot of training, like, being on TV, and you're kind of worried about, like, oh, how, how are things going to be perceived, and you don't know how you're going to be edited in certain ways. So, like, I kind of get that, I guess. But I was always on Natalie's side. And I actually thought Natalie and Shane were going to end up together um, until the day before the wedding. And I guess he said he hated her. They had that fight. And she said what he said or whatever. But I still want to have, I, like I told my sister, I was like, I want the CCTV footage of that fight. Like I want to, I want to be, I want to be the fly on the room in that fight and just be like, what did you say? And how, how did that go down? But um, I'm glad Natalie chose herself at the end. I'm glad I'm glad the people that chose themselves at the end, I'm glad they chose themselves. Okay, they they knew something wasn't gonna work and they were like, We got bigger issues on the horizon. I'm not saying yes to this and that's a blessing. That's really great that you have the self awareness to be like, nah, something ain't right here. So that's always good. Um I cannot believe it's raining loud like this right now. I'm gonna have to shoot the rest. I'm gonna have to film the rest of this. Not film. Record the rest of this like in the bathtub where there's no windows. Uh oh. Ooh, y'all, the lights are flickering. Oh no. All right. Well, anyway, Kyle and Shayna. I thought that Kyle was in denial the whole time, child. Um, I think she was pretty upfront about the fact that like she was, you know, a believer. She wanted somebody who was very big in faith. He was an atheist, and that was very that was very much something that made her uncomfortable with Shane. And so I was like, this isn't really going to work out well. And I remember one point of the show, she um, Shana had asked Kyle, actually. She was like, you know, what if we're sitting at dinner and, you know, we're saying grace? You know, how are you going to, you know, what? how are you going to act in front of our children? And he said something to the effect of, oh, I'm just going to make fart jokes or something like that or jokes or whatever. And I was like... Kyle, that was your time to shine. That was your time to be like, oh, okay, well, let me, actually, let me think about that because I've never thought about that before. If we're saying grace, I think for me, the best thing I can do is hold my child's hand and be silent and take in the words and, you know, think about whatever. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he kind of missed a prime opportunity to give Shayna that reassurance that, yeah, Somebody who is very big in faith and somebody who is an atheist could be together. So I feel like he kind of he he kind of dropped the ball, you know, trying to be trying to be funny for for Netflix. But I was like, okay, but like, come on now, you know. So I don't know. And then when he met her family, I knew that shit wasn't gonna work. Her mama, wow. Her mama was like, body language don't lie, and that is the truth. Um. The brothers were asking him, he was like, you know, are you a godly man? And he talking about something, what is that? I'm like, bro, you know what that is. Just like, you know what I mean? Like, 
it just felt to me like very like immature. And it's just like when you're having these conversations, especially when you're just meeting the family for the first time, like you know that that's going to come up. Think about that stuff before you get to those situations. You know what I mean? And stop trying to make a joke out of everything. Like be serious because Shayna is on the fence about you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so that was just wild. Who else was there? Oh, yes, there was Ayana and Jarrett. At first, I was very on the fence because Jarrett proposed to Mal first, and then he came to Ayana and was like, I want you. And I was, and everything in me was like, I'm not a second choice. Ayana is not a second choice. She is the first choice. And Ayana was sure about him. So I felt how she felt. She felt very disappointed. She felt very hurt that he was not that she was not his first option or whatever. However, when I look and when I think about this whole experiment, you only get a few days and you have to talk to 14 different kind of people. And so like he was only in between Ayana and Mal. And so, you know, it is a hard decision to make in a couple of days. You're also on TV. You know, there's so many factors into it. So like, as I saw them interacting with each other when she said yes to his proposal, I did, you know, their relationship did start to grow on me. Um, there was also a moment when they were on their honeymoon and Jared said something to the effect of, oh, no, no, no. So I think Ayana was talking about how they were just like, yeah, like, you know, we're, we're waiting to have sex, whatever, whatever. And Jared was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. He was like, you know, there's many ways to be intimate. You don't just have to have sex. And I... When when men specifically say that, but people in general, that's how I know that, like, you know, you have the makings to be a very good partner. Maybe you're not there yet, but you have, like, the foundations and the, or they're coming together. Because I'm like, that is what I'm talking about. I want to hear more of that energy. Like, you know, you don't have to have sex to be, you don't, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to have sex to be, to build intimacy. I love when people say that. And I love it when they mean it. Talk that talk to me all night. Yes. So, yes, like, I, I love that. So, I love that he said that. That really impressed me. I think that, honestly, again, like, the editing tried to make problems out of nothing. Because I don't really think they had really any problems. Big problems, I guess. Besides, like, I guess the whole thing of, like, you know, Jared keeping things from his, you know, keeping things from his past relationships that, you know, as gifts that were given to him from past, you know, relationships and things like that. Like, that was an interesting conversation. But um, I think, you know, after they met each other's parents and things like that, and just seeing them at the wedding and seeing them after the wedding, you know, just being like, you got my back. And he said something like, oh, yeah, I got your back, like a thong in the butt crack or something. And they like fist bumped or something like that. I was like, you know what? That is lovely. So, yeah, it took me some time to, to you know, for, for me to grow, uh, for Jared to grow on me. But I think, I think they're going to be just fine. You know, they both got a lot of learning to do and a lot of growing to do. But don't we all? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, Sal and Mal were constantly like a puzzle to me. They were constantly a mystery to me. They really were, because I never really knew where either one of them really stood. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know that I was as invested in their storyline as I was in everybody else's. 
Um, but I hope that both of them are happy with the decision that they made. They made the decision to not be with each other anymore, whatever, whatever. I feel like a lot of their drama happened off camera as well, which is, which is great. Like, I think that people do deserve their privacy just because they're on reality TV doesn't mean that, you know, we need to know everything. Like, no, we don't deserve that information. So I'm glad that they had those moments to talk about things when the cameras weren't there and they got to the bottom, you know, they tried to get to the roots of the problem. We'll never know what really happened with the ex-girlfriend coming to the sisters or whatever or whoever that person was whoever that woman was i know we'll never know but you know it's it's not our business really so um you know this show gave me the drama okay it gave me the drama i wanted to see um i was happy for everybody who made it and i was happy for the people that chose themselves i think that that's like even a bigger statement like you know i'm choosing myself this ain't for me I'm going to remove myself from the situation, but I tried my darndest. I think that that's just great. Um, and then they have, I guess they have this show called The Ultimatum. And I'm not watching that shit, so we ain't got to talk about it. Um, and I don't know if I want to watch any more seasons of Love is Blind. Like if a new season comes out next year, I don't know that I would want to watch it. Because the editing really turned me off this season. I was like, these people were probably having real regular degular ass conversations and experiences. And y'all just tried to be like, I'm going to make someone a villain today. And I'm like, it's really not that deep. It's either you want these motherfuckers to find love or you don't. Period. So that's, that's love is blind. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it was a fun ride. I also saw that there was a Love is Blind Japan, and I started to watch it. But after this season of Love is Blind, uh, the American version of season two, I was like, I'm all Love is Blinded out. Love is Blinded out. I'm, I'm, I'm so, I can't. I can't do it. And after all that, because I also watched the Love is Blind Brazil. I watched that a few months ago. Child, I can't watch no more Love is Blind. I'm so sorry. I've been watching them in all languages. I'm just like, I can't do I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this no more. Okay, but next up, we're going to talk about this show on HBO Max. It is called, I believe it's called Somebody Somewhere. It's about this woman who her sister passes away, so she moves back to her hometown, small town, USA. Um, so it's just her in relation to her family again you know she spent some time away from her family from her other sister from her niece um and she's just trying to like you know she's kind of lost she's trying to find her way again and she finds um community there as well she finds community within like this like it's not a church group but it's like a it's like a singing group kind of thing very musical i really liked it um there were like themes of grief obviously because they lost their sibling um one thing I really appreciated about this show, too, is that there are queer characters in this show, but the show was not about them being queer. That rarely came up. It was just queer people living their lives. And I really appreciated that. Like, they didn't make a big deal. They were just like, yep, but this is what's going on in my life. Blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, it was, it was real shit. And, like, I just, I really enjoyed the show. And the episodes were, like, 30 minutes, which you know I love. So, um, the show was very good. I, I really enjoyed it. It might not be for everybody, obviously, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and next up, I think I talked about Abbott Elementary before, but I wanted to talk about it again because I really enjoyed the show. It was hilarious. Um, so Abbott Elementary is 
a show about a school in South Philadelphia, South Philly. Um, it's all, you know, it's mostly black. I think it's all black, really. It's all black school, you know, and they talk about the the problems of like, of schools and like, you know, the issues with like teachers and things like that. So like, you know, underfunding. And when you have kids who are, you know, overachievers, but you don't want to leave any kids behind, you know, academically and stuff like that. And just, you know, how they really like, how teachers really have like a thankless job to do. And they're doing it from mere pennies, babes, mere pennies. Um, the show is amazing. It's shot in like this mockumentary style, kind of like The Office. But I love this show because it's, it's mostly all black. Um, most of the cast is black, and I think it's because most of the kids are black as well. Most of the staff is black. Everybody was funny. Everyone's uh, comedic timing was just very good. Um, it was just such a great show that made a lot of good points, and it was I feel like it was very wholesome television, and I just felt like it was just so funny. I, I just, like, I laughed out loud, and I, it was funny. Um, I had it on. I, I like just, like, played the whole season today, earlier today. Uh, while I was working, I had it on in the background because I was like, you know, just when I look up from work, I'm just, or when I take a break, I can just watch like a little bit of it. And I was like, what a great show. Absolutely great show. Um, but yeah, if you haven't watched it, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's a perfect show to me. Uh, maybe I'm biased because I really like Gwenta Brunson. But she's really good at what she does. She wrote the show. She created the show. She starred in the show. I loved it. So, yeah, if you haven't watched Abbott Elementary, you should definitely watch that. It is on Hulu. Um, it's on, like, cable TV, too, but I watch it on Hulu or watch it on Hulu because the season's over. So there's nine uh, episodes all ready to be watched if you like to binge things. It's an easy show to binge. It's a very joyful show to binge. I loved it. All right. So that's all I got for right now. Um, this was a really great episode. I had such a good time. I'm really glad I did this. Um, you know, I've been having like a really stressful time at work lately. Just like, you know, thinking about the future of like, I don't know, the company, me working at the company, me. Um, I don't know. I've just been like, thinking about a lot of things on top of all the other things that's happening in the world. <sighs> you know, with, you know, the Ukraine stuff and, you know, there, there's just a lot happening. And I am happy to report that even though I am, I have been stressed, I have been able to find some joy. And I want to share some of those moments of joy with you right now. So um, I bought this 1,000 piece puzzle uh, from DSW of all places, the shoe store girl. Um, and I've just been working on that off and on since uh, Valentine's Day. And yesterday I was, a I was actually able to connect some big pieces together. And that made me really happy. It made me feel very accomplished. Um, I'm going to work on it a little bit after I get done recording this episode. Um, yeah, so the puzzle has been making me very happy. Um, I realized that I actually really love puzzles and I want to start keeping puzzles in the house. Or actually, after I get done with this puzzle, I'm either going to frame this puzzle and put it on the wall somewhere or I might just like sell it or just give it to someone who wants to do an 1,000 piece puzzle. Um, but I think my next puzzle is going to be like 200 pieces. Because <laughs> I think I, went a little, I was a little overzealous about getting a 1,000 piece puzzle and I was like, why didn't you start small? And that's okay. 
because I always go big, okay? Go big or go home. So I always go big. Um, what is another thing that brought me joy? Last week, I went to the park in the morning and I skate. I skated for 30 minutes. I had the entire skate park to myself and I roller skated around in circles and listened to my music and I was jamming and I had a good time. And then I left. I had a really great time. Um, and something I'm looking forward to in the future, um, there are a couple of concerts that are coming up that are outdoors and uh, I can't wait to go. So I think I'm excited about that. I'm just trying to, you know, find my joy in a hopeless place. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I hope that you all are able to find some sort of joy um, in these times. I know it's really hard, but if I can do it, and let me tell y'all, you know, it's sad, like that seasonal affective depression disorder or whatever it's called, sad, whooped my ass all winter. Like I just had no motivation. I was sad. I was lonely, constantly thinking about how lonely I was. I was constantly like talking about, oh, I'm alone, so lonely, uh, you know, like very much giving into like the negative voices in my head and um, having all this sun has made, uh, has boosted my mood for sure. So I, that's another thing I'm grateful for. It's, it's been feeling very much like spring lately and I've been loving it. It's been getting uh, brighter earlier, which has helped me get up a little bit earlier and actually get up, do my skincare routine in the morning in addition to at night and, um, maybe stretch out a little bit before I start working, that kind of thing. But yeah, um, it's been good. So I hope everyone is trying to find some sort of joy in their lives. I know it's hard times and sometimes you just like, there's so much shit going, that's wrong with the world that you're like, how am I even going to find it? You will be able to find it. If I can find it, so can you. Um, it's sometimes it's the little wins, honestly. Um, my last thing that I was uh, joyful about was that I have a black therapist now, a black lady therapist, and she's been really helping me work through some shit, and I am very grateful for her, um, and I can't wait to tell her about all the shit that's ailing me, <laughs> all the shit that makes my heart hurt. She just, I don't know, she's, she's, really, she's been really great, so things are looking up. Um, I hope y'all have a fabulous week. Hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Um, just a quick reminder, I am not on Instagram at this time. My um, Lit Bay Pod Instagram account was hacked. I was able to get it back, but I just decided to delete it. So I am not on Instagram as Lit Bay Pod at this time. So sorry for the inconvenience. So sorry for your loss. <laughs> just kidding. Um <laughs> But, however, I did reactivate my Twitter. So if you're on Twitter and you care about what I'm looking at, like what I'm reading, what I'm listening to, what I'm watching, that's where I put that kind of stuff there sometimes. Um, so if you're on Twitter, I am Lit Bay Pod on there. Uh, but if not, totally fine. Um, something that really helps me out is if you, um, I don't know. Uh-oh, it's a party. What they doing out there? <laughs> um, but yeah, something that really helps me out is if you will spread the word 
just spread the word about the podcast to any of your bookish friends. Uh, just listen to the podcast. That really helps me. If you want to give me a little something, something, I am Lit Bay Pod on Cash App. You can pay me a little bit for my time. Um, I mean, you don't have to. It's not a big deal. But, um, oh, sound like some girls are stuck out in the rain. Look at them. Um, you don't have to by any means, but... If you like the the work that I'm doing here and the stuff that I'm about to give you in these upcoming months, because, baby, we got some shit going down, okay? Yes. Go ahead and send me a little something-something on the Cash App, Libbay Pod, um, or just listen wherever you listen to your podcast or share me on your Instagrams, even though I'm not on Instagram, eat, um, <laughs> or share me on your Twitter or whatever, um, or don't. I don't. You know, I'm here. I'm just here because this is something that I enjoy doing. So you don't really have to do any of this. But if you want, it is much appreciated. All right. Well, I'm going to go because I got to see how noisy the background was in this episode. Um, Even if it's too noisy, I'm still going to release it because I'm not re-recording because I feel like this is one of the best episodes I've ever done. I feel so free. I think it's because of this beer. Loose lips. Okay. Loose lips. All right. Love you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.